Hello, my friends. The weather is gray and stormy here. The trees sway violently in the wind, and rain slams itself in great torrents against the stone of my tower. It lets itself in through the cracks in the walls, and I hear the drip, drip, drip all around me. I don't mind. This is my place now. Every bit of it is mine. The sounds, the sensations. For good or for bad, it is mine, and a place must be honored, must it not? Especially a place such as this. A place to which I owe my greatest failures and accomplishments. My worst nightmares, and my dearest dreams. So far I have heard no rumbles from above me. The sky did not split apart. Lightning did not strike me down. A week has passed in peace and quiet, and I am so very grateful for it. I am grateful for every minute I have with something as simple as the sight of a tree, the warmth of a candle, the smell of the rain. Perhaps I should be thanking them, my enemies who locked me up with none of these things. Perhaps I should thank them for giving me the beauty of these simple things once more but I don't think I ever forgot them in the first place. If there's anything that I love, it's beauty. And I find almost everything beautiful. Everything except for cruelty. That can make even the loveliest of creatures hideous. Anyway, a week of peace and quiet the occasional visit from my clever winged savior, the occasional sight of a frightened monster or an adventurous ghost, more and more of whom I've come to learn are making themselves known to me. I believe they're drawn to me, as though I'm a flashlight in the dark, and they are moths and they want nothing more than to be seen. I should know. When you spend so long in the dark, yes, the most urgent longing is to see anything. But no one really talks about the longing to be seen. I know it too well. Perhaps they can hear this podcast. The strange spirits and tormented souls of this world. Perhaps they've been listening and they know they can come to me. Please do. Come and show yourselves. Let me tell the world about you. Wouldn't you like that? I would. I do. I have a story of such a spirit. Such a spirit who wanted desperately to be seen. For a very important reason. 
a lovely, frightening story that might perhaps inspire those lost ones listening to come find me. At the very least, to find someone. You have your ways. I know it. Actually, the story starts with a young woman. A young woman who was invited to a party. She didn't often go to such things. Mostly, she kept to herself in her parents' home and did not usually enjoy the company of other young people. It wasn't that she disliked them. Far from it. She had friends, and she could easily laugh with them and chat with them and enjoy a cup of tea with them. But she often chose not to, because silence meant a good deal more to her than chatter and laughter. She felt calm and comfortable in silence. She loved reading a book by a fire, or sewing by herself in a corner, or going for a sunset stroll in the early evening. Her nature was solitary and quiet, even more so of late, and while she had no real issue with performing the social niceties that were expected of her, she preferred to be alone. That was all there was to it. And so that is all that I will tell of that. On one particular evening, she was invited to a party by one of her close friends. As I mentioned, despite her nature, she had many. It was to be a dinner party. Perhaps twenty guests. Most of them she would know, and some she might not. She thought about it, at the gentle encouragement of her mother to go out and socialize, to partake in an event that would be healthy for her, as her mother had put it. She acquiesced. She even had a fine white gown with a light blue ribbon for such an occasion as this that she hadn't worn yet, and she found herself looking forward to the event. The evening of the party came and her father applauded her descent down the stairs in her lovely gown, making her smile and blush happily. Her mother and her father both gave her a kiss on the cheek as she went out the door, and she felt suddenly as though she could do anything. She made her way to the soiree in question. She was pleasantly surprised to see her friend's house brightly lit with candles, several warm and roaring fires, and shimmering chandeliers. The sound of music rang out through the large mansion, coming from a string quartet who had been hired for the evening. The smell of freshly baked cakes and brewed coffee hit her nose and as many young people she knew from her school days came up to her and welcomed her with booming voices and warm embraces, she was suddenly quite glad that she accepted the invitation. And what an evening it was. It began simply enough, with cocktails and hors d'oeuvres in the hall, and moving on to some casual parlor games in the sitting room, silly guessing games and wordplay ones often reserved for the cold winter holiday weeks, 
to pass the time when the weather outside was too dreadful for anything else. And tonight reminded our hero of those kind of nights. The rain poured, just as it does tonight in my tower, and slapped against the windows. There was a chill to the air, but it was frightened out of the house by the warm fires and the laughing guests and the lively music. Hours passed, and when the night grew late, many of the guests had taken their leave. But about fifteen or twenty were left, some mingling in different rooms, dancing lazily and perhaps a little drunkenly. And ten girls, including our hero, stood in the sitting room trying to imagine more games they might play. One suggested a game in which one player was blindfolded and had to circle the room blindly groping for another player to catch who might become it. Perhaps later the group agreed. Another suggested they hold a seance, and since spiritualism was quite popular in this time and place, this evoked a curious and giggling response from the crowd. But on the other hand, several of the young women admitted to being too afraid for this. Besides, they didn't have a medium among them who might lead the event. Most agreed that this wouldn't be a wise decision. One girl, however, suggested a game she called Mirror Mirror. It was simple enough. Five players would sit in a circle, close together, knees touching. In the center of the circle, on the floor, would be a mirror, facing up at the guests. Ten times they must repeat this phrase. What came before is now forgot. What is to come we must know not. And after the tenth time they must cry out, Mirror, mirror, who do you choose? Suddenly, the face of a spirit, or was it a witch? No one seemed to be able to agree on what, in fact, the spirit they were conjuring actually was meant to be. Anyway, the face of this being would choose someone in the circle to replace. Staring in the mirror, the women would be able to ask this new spirit any question they might need an answer to. Or perhaps they would be told their fortune, given some indication of their own future. And the body the spirit chose would speak to them. Supposedly. Four girls eagerly volunteered to go first, while the hostess found a mirror that could easily be placed on the floor between them all. One of our hero's friends urged her to play, and she being unafraid and also mostly skeptical of the entire process, agreed. They sat, held hands, and ensured that their knees touched so as not to break the psychic connection between them all as one girl called it, laughing all the while. Most of the candles in the room were extinguished, and the room was significantly darker than it had been before. Two of the girls were unable to stop laughing, while two others chided them for not taking the strange game seriously enough. The fifth girl, our hero, said nothing until they all began to say the phrase, 
What came before is now forgot. What is to come we must know not. What came before is now forgot. What is to come know not. What came before is now forgot. What is to come we must know not. What came before is now forgot. What is to come we must know not. What came before is now forgot. They all stared down at their faces in the reflective surface. In the dim light, they did indeed look terrifying and terrified. Obscured by shadow, they looked like demons or witches themselves, and the reality of what they were doing settled in much more quickly than they might have expected. After saying the phrase ten times, they stopped, all perhaps afraid to say the final sentence. But they did. Mirror, mirror, who do you choose? And they stared, and they waited. Sure, in the flickering candlelight, it seemed as though all of their faces changed a little. This is a phenomenon that is not unknown to you, I'm sure. In weak light, and when one stares at a still image, the image seems to change and to move. And they knew of this phenomenon, too. They were frightened by what they saw, but they knew it was neither supernatural nor paranormal. Nothing appeared in the mirror. No face replaced any of their faces. No face appeared in the center of them, nor behind them. Nothing. Yet they all waited. Finally, the girls exhaled and began to giggle again. Convinced it was nothing but good fun and a gentle scare, they began to whisper about what they may or may not have seen, and how glad they were that no witch, no demon, and no ghost had appeared in the mirror. But the fifth girl, our hero, our solitary girl who had decided to come out tonight, she was not chatting or laughing with the others, because her eyes were fixed on the mirror that hung above the fireplace. There was what appeared to be a man in it, a man who was staring right at her. A man with glowing orange eyes, orange like the embers of the fire that burned underneath the mirror in the fireplace. She would have looked around to check whether some such man was in the room, staring into the mirror, causing this strange illusion. But she didn't bother. She knew the answer. He was looking into her eyes and smiling, wasn't he? He was in the mirror, not on the other side of it. His body was shrouded in shadow, and so she couldn't tell what he wore or what kind of clothes he might wear. It appeared that his long, dark hair was made of shadow, too, and she couldn't tell how long it was or what style it was in. He had nothing about him that could tell her what time he came from whether it was her own or one from long, long ago. Somehow, as she stared at him, it didn't matter. 
He nodded in her direction, and she knew what he wanted. He wanted to tell her her fortune. He smiled. It was a small smile, subtle, and it terrified her. He had something to tell her. She didn't dare open her lips to ask what it was. Suddenly, several other guests entered the room with candlesticks and candelabras, and they lit the whole place brightly again. The man, the shadow creature, whatever he was, in the mirror, was gone. The girl wasn't relieved, though. The image burned into her memory. A person, a creature, a spirit, robed in shadow but with blazing orange eyes, waiting to tell her her fortune. He had gone, but where to? Suddenly everything was music and dancing and laughter all around her once more. She was brought to her feet by a few friends, given a drink and twirled around. Anything to improve her mood, which, most of them noted with concern to one another, had become more sullen and dark since the mirror game. She tried to bring herself back to reality, but she found herself shaking every time a dance partner spun her past that mirror over the mantel. She found herself trembling every time someone suggested they play another silly ghost game. But it was good that she participate, she told herself. Don't fear. Don't be nervous. Don't be afraid. It was a silly game. It is good that you're here. This is healthy. This is good being among friends. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. After another hour or so, she was full of cheer once more, and her friends were glad of it. Another game, they cried and a blindfold was placed over our hero's face, and she was spun around. She laughed at the feeling of disorientation and confusion. She knew the game well. All would circle her, dancing, moving deftly, as she tried to grab someone who would become the next pursuer. She would call to them, and they would answer, and she would try to catch someone. At first, they answered her call happily and loudly. She was led around the room, her arms outstretched, her hands grasping for someone, anyone to take the blindfold from her and become it next. The sound of the musicians faded away a little. Perhaps she was being coaxed out of the sitting room. But the sound of her friend's laughter encouraged her, and she grew more bold as she darted out, trying to wrap her arms around someone. But then everything around her grew more cold, more quiet. She reached forward, and she felt someone. She felt arms but they were bare arms. She felt someone's chest, but it was a bare chest. 
and she would have been embarrassed or afraid by this, except that the skin she felt did not feel like skin. It was so much more soft, silken than that, and cold. She reached her hands up and felt shoulders. How incredibly tall this person was. Had anyone at the party tonight been quite so tall? She felt at their face, hoping to determine from their hair who it was. But she felt only cold. Only a cold breeze. Cold skin that felt not like skin. Cold hair that felt only like air. And she began to tremble once more. They leaned forward, whoever they were. And through the blindfold she only saw two glowing orange orbs. She felt hands, and she gasped and shook. But the hands were gentle as they placed themselves on her back, taking her in a kind embrace. In her ear, a low voice purred, shadow incarnate. It whispered one thing. Let them go. Let them go. She could only let out a terrified sob in response. When she heard someone call out from behind her, she quickly removed the blindfold and turned around. All of the other party members stood in the doorway and watched her. She had somehow made her way outside, and yet she hadn't felt the cold. She stood in the front gardens, not realizing how she was shivering, or that her breath was visible in the moonlight. They had all seen her, grabbing at some invisible person. They had seen her shaking at nothing. More than that, they had seen two great black handprints forming on the back of her white gown, on that big baby blue bow on her back. Black and gray, like two great shadows forever imprinted there. They all stood as still as statues. No one knew what to do, what to say. She quickly ran inside to take her coat. She headed home immediately. Her mother and father did not greet her. Inside, as she leaned against her now-closed front door, she squeezed her eyes shut as she called for them. Let them go. She heard the voice say again, and she turned to the mirror in her front hall. The figure was there once more, orange eyes, clothed in shadow once more. But behind him, the shadows of a man and a woman, orange eyes and loving smiles, set against their silhouettes. I'm not ready yet, she whispered. But they disappeared nonetheless.
grief can be a tricky thing. Her mother and father were lost to her not even two months ago, both having perished on a journey homeward after a long, long time away. She hadn't even had the chance to say goodbye, to tell them she loved them, to say how much she needed them. They know, they know, said the voice. She had been seeing them so often since the tragedy that she let herself forget what happened. She told herself it never happened at all. But it was time for them to go. It was good for her to be among other people. It was healthy for her to leave the house and be among friends. This was the first time she'd gone since... It happened, and they could rest. She looked in the mirror, yet she could not see the tears falling down her face. She could only see the shadowed stranger, the one who came to her tonight to tell her what she needed to hear. And every now and then, should she need to hear it, Or should she feel alone among a sea of friends at a party? Or should she feel the oppressing emptiness of her family's home? That stranger might appear again. If only as a gentle reminder that, despite all appearances, and despite the inevitable truth of death and loss, we are not alone. I've told you a few stories over the last year or so about different incarnations of death. Different kinds of spirits who represent different kinds of death. Inescapable death. Merciful death. Mischievous death. This one. This one was perhaps more a spirit of grief than one of death. Perhaps, if I were a spirit of some kind, what would I be? What would I stand for? What will I stand for, if ever I do leave this world and move on to another? Have I done that already? Haven't I been in and out of this world before? Questions you can't answer. Questions to think about. Well, time to go. Another night is here, followed by another beautiful, cold dawn that I feel like observing. Good night, my friends. Hello everyone, and thanks so much for listening to episode 82 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is your writer, host, podcaster, etc., Kristen. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Just a few notes about how you can support the show if you're interested in doing so. 
First and foremost, you can leave us a recommendation on Facebook or a review on iTunes or Stitcher, which I would appreciate so very much. Next, I also have a Patreon page where for the minimum of $1 a month or more, you can get access to my ever-updating soundtrack of the show. You can find me there at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you only want to donate once and not receive that perk of the soundtrack, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. You can also purchase on a Dark Cold Night t-shirts or sweaters at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. You can also feel free to reach out anytime on social media. You can find me on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, or on my Facebook page, as I mentioned. I'm also on YouTube if you want to listen to the show there, like your favorite episodes, all that fun stuff. Um, And finally, a great way to support the show is to listen to us on the free Radio Public app. It's free for you to use, and every listen works towards me as your podcaster being paid for my work. So check us out there if you can. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I hope you have a wonderful end to your October and a very happy Halloween. Look out for All Hallowtide Part 2, which should be dropping next week here as well. Take care, my friends. Good night.